Hi, Bryce. This is your friend, Michelle Fitzgerald from Winners at War. I just wanted to reach out because I have been obsessively listening to your podcast coverage of our season. And I just wanted to say you bring such light and joy to every single one of your episodes and you make us laugh. You make us think you make us reflect. You're just such a beacon for all of us. And especially during these crazy times. So big shout out to you. Big thanks. Um, and I guess all I have less to say is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a purple pants podcast. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. Ooh. It's the purple pants podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. Ooh. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back though. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Purple Pants Podcast. I am your host, Bryce Isaiah, and yes, I'm so excited for another week and another episode. If this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome. And if you don't know, we go together now, because if you listen to my podcast, we go together. So yes, so I am all about our new listeners, so welcome, and I'm all about the Purple Pants Podcast. Yes, so I'm here for it. But listen, if you are a member of the Purple Pants Posse, or if this is your first time listening, baby, I need you to make sure that you subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts. I need for you to, after you listen, write a review, tell me what you think, and give your baby boy some five stars. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, I love the five stars. So what has everybody been up to? I hope everybody's safe. But yeah, what's the tea? Let me know. You know me. I be busy as a quarantine. B, 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 busy as a quarantine. B, 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 busy as a quarantine. B, yes. So I've been busy this week. As some of you guys know, I participated uh, this weekend on Sequester. But I'll talk about that in the church announcements. But listen, you ever order something online and then you don't get it? And then you got to track it, track it down. So I had told you guys that my mom celebrated a birthday last week and I did a like birthday drive by. It was so nice. If you haven't seen it, I put the video up on my Instagram and Facebook. So check that out. But I had ordered a birthday gift, too. And I, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but, you know, I give really good gifts. I always like to think of like something thoughtful, something like outside of the box or like if I know you and I know you like, you know, different things. Like if I know you like pillows, I'm going to get you pillows. I'm buying pillowcases. I'm going to do stuff like that. So for my mom, I wanted to do something like special for her just because, you know, with this quarantine time, we can't spend the time that we normally want to do. So I'm not sure if I had shared with the Purple Pants Posse uh, that I had lost a brother maybe about five years ago. I had lost my older brother named Bevan and so it's been really hard for my mom to deal with and like you know my mom just you know she goes through it sometimes and especially like around the holidays or birthdays so I really want to do something special for my mom so I had saw online that you can make like pillows out of faces so I was like oh my god this will be great I'll give my mom a pillow of my brother Bevan as a face and so I know my mom's always like looking at pictures of my brother or like you know she has just a lot of just stuff that reminds her of him so I was like oh my god this would be perfect so I ordered it like two weeks before my mom's birthday. And I know with COVID-19, it's a lot, you know, shipping is it's slow. So, you know, I was like, I got the tracking number, but I couldn't figure out the tracking number because it was like the company is international and I don't even know where this uh, pillow came from. But I'm like stressing out because I'm like, wait a minute, I got this amazing gift and it didn't come on time for our birthday. So, you know, me, listen. 
I get up on the computer. I'm writing these things. I'm writing, hello, the tracking number's not working. Like, I didn't pay my money. And listen, I'm ready to get on my credit card and dispute a charge. Because listen, baby boy will dispute a charge in a second. So, anyway, this weekend, the pillow had came. And listen, Purple Pants Posse, it was almost a little spooky. Like, when I opened it up and, like, I saw my brother's, like, face on this pillow. And it's not, like, 3D, but it's just, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I was just like, oh, my God, my mama's going to love this. So, I, like, packaged it up. I had to wrap it up because, you know, baby boy loves to wrap gifts. I wrapped it up. And I had sent it out on Friday. And I, I figured, like, maybe with the holiday coming up, my mom wouldn't get, it, wouldn't get it until, like, Tuesday. So, Saturday morning, I'm, like, you know, minding my business listening to some music and my mom calls me like three times and so mind you then this is like not out of Barb's realm my mom like you know if she's like baking chicken or making a meatloaf she'll call me and be like what do you think about this so I was like okay I'll call it right back so then she texts me and was like I got your gift and I was like oh my god so I immediately go to FaceTime her and I, I FaceTime my mom and she is like bawling her eyes out and it was like I don't know such a, a, a great moment because it was just like yes I hit the nail on the head with this gift but it also kind of made me feel bad because like my mom was like emotionally crying and I'm like oh I hope this wasn't a bad gift but my mom was just like it's amazing I love it I love it and it was just like oh it just made me so happy that like I was able to surprise her even though I didn't come on her birthday but I just was happy that I could give her a gift like that and so I'm just telling that story just because I love the gift and I always Piper Pants Posse always ask me like what are some good gifts ideas and I always tell you guys like some great gifts can be like the littlest things like just think about what the person likes or what could like brighten that person's day up. But enough about Barb and her late birthday gift that I was literally about to get my money back because I was going to dispute the charge. But listen, let's get into this podcast. I am so excited for this podcast for so many reasons. But let me give you the rundown, okay? So we got our church announcements and then on the menu this week, Clutch Your Pearls. I've got none other than our baby boy, Robert Sesternino is on the Purple Pierce podcast. Yes! Oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't believe I have Rob or my podcast. I'm dying. But even more better, Rob and I are interviewing Wendell Holland. You know my brother, Wendeezy, okay? And we go in on this interview with Wendell about his experience uh, on Winners at War. And we touch a number of different things, which is great. So I'm so excited. Then we got Aunt Becky, okay, on the menu. We got Doja Cat on the menu. We got Insecure on the menu. And you know we got advice with Bryce. And I got the freak of the week. So listen, y'all better buckle your seatbelt in. You better put them kids downstairs. You better put your wave cap on. Okay, you better wet your... Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. And you know here on the podcast, we is always wetting our whistle. So listen, I have some cran pineapple juice and some Tito's and Bay Bay. Oh, when I tell you, it's so good. So wait, before we get into this podcast, everybody wet your whistle. Come on. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, let's get into this podcast. For this week's church announcement, I only have one church announcement, and it's really about Sequester. So y'all know, y'all baby boy participated on the Survivor mini series of Sequester, and baby, I was so nervous. It was so much going on, but listen, I wasn't third out, okay? I wasn't third out, and guess what? Your baby boy... 
He made the jewelry. I'm screaming right now. I'm so screaming right now. I had such a fun time participating in the sequester mini series that I said, you know what? I should podcast about it. But listen, I already got my podcast for this week. So listen, Purple Pants Posse, this is how much I love you guys. This Friday, May 28th, I'm dropping, okay, not one podcast this week, but two podcast this week. So I'm going to drop a special sequester edition of the Purple Pants Podcast to talk about my experience and listen, okay? You never know who might jump in on this podcast. So mark your calendars, okay? You getting two Purple Pants Podcasts this week. Now, you know Baby Boy got a full-time job, so when I'm going to find the time to do this? I don't know, but listen, because I love my Purple Pants Posse so much, I'm going to give you the content that you want. So, okay, this Friday, May 29th, I'm dropping another episode this week, okay? And it's going to be about my sequester experience and okay i'm gonna invite some of my friends to come on and talk about it so listen set your calendars okay and that's going to conclude this week's church announcements it's a man who is a menu me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew it's a man who is a menu me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew All right, guys, I am so excited for, ooh, whoo, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, ooh, 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 and a 1. Oh, guys, listen, I am so excited for this podcast. I tell you, baby, you know, you, I'm used to just sitting here during this time, but I have the pleasure, the disdain honor to introduce my friend, okay? My good, good, good. Good, good, good boss. Sometimes, you know, some people might know him as Rob, but you better believe I know him as Robert Sesterino. Woo! Rob, welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast. Baby boy, I'm here. This is my debut oh my, on the I Purple know. Pants Podcast. Woo! I don't got no theme music, but in my head, you walk in that fashion show right now yes. with no shoes on. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to this week, I wanted to tweet out, you know that uh, meme that's like my plans and then 2020? My plans is going to be me at the fashion show, and then 2020 <laughs> is going to be me getting voted off of Survivor the second time. <laughs> oh, no. No, baby boy. No. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. We can't have that, okay? Listen, but you know Jeff tweeted, or you know, at the finale, he was talking about they doing it, they looking for the young kids, so you never yeah. know. You, you got to you gotta show Dominic the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to keep my kids off Survivor. That's going to be my goal. <laughs> okay. Listen, you know. You, you don't have put, to go down the route I did. <laughs> They're going to end up winning, Rob. That's I right. want better for my kids. Oh. I'm so excited to have you here. How you doing? How's everything? Yeah, doing good. Excited. This is uh, this is uh, a big day. Yes, I know. Pumped up. And I'm so yeah. I, so am I. I had got you know went to the store, got my coffee cream. I couldn't borrow none, so I had to actually purchase some because I'm like I'm rete. But I'm more excited because you know not only do I have Robert here, I'm so excited to welcome back to the podcast my brother. You know, Ghost Island winner and contestant on the recent season, Winners at War, when DZ Holland. Oh, welcome to the podcast, or welcome back, Wendell. Wendell, thank you very much, baby boy. What's good? What's up, Robert? What's going on? How's it going, man? I'm so excited. This is the first time I'm getting to really uh, dig into anybody from season 40. 
Nice, nice. I'm excited for it too. This is my first podcast. I've been asked by a couple others, and um, <laughs> I decided that I would go on with the one and only baby boy, Bryce Isaiah, first. And it's What's just happened. It's awesome to have you here too, Rob. Yeah. Uh, this is cool. I'm excited because I just feel like, uh, you know, a lot went on at Winners at War. And I feel like, you know, you composed yourself, Wendell, uh, a class act. And I feel like, you know, time to let your hair down. Time to let the people know, let the Purple Pants Posse know what the tea is and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Charles, <laughs> okay. I mean, you, is that a problem? Because we get somebody else, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, th- you know what? Let's let's just let's just, let's just do our thing. Let's do it. Okay, yes. So, I mean, like, how you want to do this, Robert? I'm, I'm not used to having you up on here, Robert. I'm nervous, okay? My heart is beating. Whew. Yeah. Oh, I, I would just love to know, like, uh, what what has uh, Wendell been feeling about this whole experience and uh, get, get him going? All right. Well, definitely a different experience from Ghost Island, I'd say. Um, it was for a returnee season, uh, especially this one, I could tell going out there and, um, you know, after everything transpired that everyone was out there for business. And um, I came off of Ghost Island. I had a great time out there on Ghost Island with a tremendous ending, walked away with so many friends. And then I went on Winners at War thinking, you know, expecting a similar experience. Um, I wanted to have a little more fun out there on Winners at War, play the game a little differently, a little harder, uh, but still remain true to myself. And um, then I, I thought I did so. But then when I was watching the show, <laughs> it appeared uh, a little bit a little different. I um I, I I can attest to that as someone that has played Survivor and not really been happy with the edit or happy with how I was portrayed. So I guess my question to you is, and you know me being your friend, uh, going out and expecting it to be one thing, and then for it to you see the edit that they portray of you. Like, what was your thought process like as a fan? Because we all know that you are a big super nerd of Survivor and that like you truly love the game like what was that experience like for you and obviously you know you coming from ghost island having a flawless edit being like you know the crowned king that everyone loved and then kind of the edit that they showed of you uh was not so favorable at times and like you know i'm just curious to know what was your process like and like what were your emotions like and like you know even more so like what was your mental health like because i think that it's it's important to people for people to know that like you guys are humans and that like despite any edit like it's not really Uh, a true reflection of your character and you as a person these are great questions bryce there's so much to unpack um from these questions i i came off the island thinking that thinking that i played well and i played hard and i was expecting to see that in the game and it from my perspective it seemed like my story was only told through a very narrow lens as if um it showed me as kind of a one-dimensional almost like a mean or an angry or something. It showed me as someone that I truly don't believe that I am. And I didn't think that I was that person out there. Um, I, I, I didn't think I was. So, I mean, it was tough. It was tough to watch. I got a lot of um, negative feedback from it. Reddit killed me. My social media killed me. Um, but I'm the type of person that I, I kind of, even even 
after coming back from the island and and not winning and not winning back into the challenge or anything, which I really wanted to do, um, you I were right still, there. I was right there, right, Rob? I was close, man. Yeah. Like I was dusting those fools. I <laughs> like these jokers had all kinds of advantages and stuff that they stockpiled and hid from me and Adam and Yule and et cetera, et cetera. But I still feel like. Um, Man, I feel like I could p- compete with anybody, especially at a challenge that involves like running and jumping and tying and untying and putting together a, a rope, whatever ladder and climbing across it and ending with a puzzle. I think I think that's my wheelhouse. I truly believe that. And despite advantages, like Natalie had three advantages going out there. Um, despite that, I still I was I sunk a ball. I think before anyone else got up there, so I did my thing. And then you know whatever happened, I couldn't sink the second one. Natalie, Natalie, props to her, I guess for um, coming back and winning that. Uh, I, I so I didn't perform as I thought I would have performed on this season. Um, I guess due to many things. And so, yeah, different edit from Ghost Island, different experience from Ghost Island, and a different response um, from the fans. Like, uh, I was hated this season. A lot of people disliked me. And um, the one thing, like I was trying to say earlier, the one thing that I came away from this season thinking in my head was, I do it for certain people and I I don't do it for other people. I do this, I do the things I do, everything I do in life I do for the people that I love, the people that love me, the people that motivate me, and the people that that I motivate, those that truly know me. And for anyone, everyone's going to have people that love them and people that hate them. And for the people that hate me, if I can't change your opinions or any of that, um, I'm not doing it for you. So... If I'm not doing it for those people, then I I would think that their opinions wouldn't affect me so much. I would think that, but this very vocal minority, because there were also, I, I got a lot of love, and I truly appreciate it, especially like the RHAP community. They showed mad love when peop, when I was voted out or when I was... Um, when I voted out Parv, when I voted out Yule, I was getting killed on my social media, but... Then I started seeing the community really backing me and standing up for me and saying, look, um, first and foremost, it's a game. Mm-hmm. And no one is trying to sit next to Parv at the end or Yule at the end. So it's a it's a good game move to vote them out. So you can't um, – one would think you shouldn't crucify me for making a, a what I thought was the best game move um, for me. But right. then, like uh, – they the way they showed me speaking to people that I don't think that was a fair depiction of how I was of, of how I interact with people of how I, I live my life. So I was also being called like, you know, misogynistic and um, I don't know how to treat or talk to women and things like that, which uh, that that really hurt me. That really hurt me. And again, I go back to me saying I don't do it for the people that hate me, but for this season to turn people from loving me in ghost island to actually and very vocally hating me it was uh it was uh, it was kind of it it kind of harmed me you ask how my mental health is how my mental health was right now mm-hmm. i am i'm good i feel great but it definitely took a toll on that and that's something that we don't always talk about right and which i think is important because obviously being one of your friends and somebody that obviously deeply has your back like you know it took a toll on me because i felt like at times i did not know how to be a friend to you because my response would be like 
bitch, you good? What's going on? And you'd be like, stop asking me. But I also think, I really, for real, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna stop asking you then. But I also think, and what I reiterated to you time and time again, well, first of all, you know, I had you covered on the social media aspect, okay? You know, I can't spell, but if somebody was coming for you, I was, I, I'm ready to go. Because listen, they can come at me all day, but they not gonna come at my baby boy. But what I also think that is important for you to realize is these, ma- like, first of all, they 11-year-old kids, okay? They have a bedtime of 8.30 p.m. So I just think that it's important for people to realize that, like, you know, the with the, I'm serious, you laughing, Robert, it is. It's like, you know, I, I'm some, laughing. I, I think it's true. I, I think he is right about this. Yes, and it ain't nothing but barbs from the Midwest that we just don't have the time for. But I just also think that it was important for you to talk about that because I don't think people really, I think people forget that like they watching you on a TV screen, but like you're a real person and you are a, like, you know, things really affect you. But one of the things like, you know, well, first of all, I want to say you yell at me all the time. So I don't understand like, you know, what I saw on the TV is like what you yell at me all the time for. So I don't get it. Okay. Yes. You're very mistaken. Misogynistic to me, okay? Yes, yes. <laughs> I guess, I and guess. I don't like it. <laughs> but right. what the one thing that I will say that, you know, truly inspired me about you, because, you know, I don't tell you all the time, but I, I do look up to you a lot. And I think that this season a lot on Survivor, you know, uh, you weren't the only one that the kitchen was heating up for. A lot of other of your contestants, the kitchen heated up and they retreated. They deactivated their account. They fled. They, like, sought the safety of their, their comfort of, you know, their home. They like they just were off social media but the one thing that I can say about you is that you are a real stand up person you didn't let any of that defer you you continued to be public you continued to let the hate come and you stood there and you took it and you realized that this is a show I signed up for a show although I don't agree with it and like you know for that I commend you because that just to me that shows your true character not you know the the misogynistic or whatever tried to edit they tried to give you like you know you really stood up and you really would like come at me because guess what? The marathon, it continues. <laughs> the marathon does indeed continue. Bryce, again, a lot to unpack there. Um, first of all, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you for allowing me to watch the show at your place, obviously, because I don't have a TV. But because as one of my best friends on the whole planet... Um, you Wait, my there. microphone, my microphone broke up. The con- you know, my wa- Robert, you know, I got a bad connection. He's got a bad connection. Whether I, what you say, say it again and say it clear and slow. I, I said that as one <laughs> planet. So, as I was saying, um, I don't know. I think my mic is jacked up too. It's all good though. <laughs> but Bryce, I appreciate you because um, first of all, you're in the mental health profession and. However, I was um, showing my feelings or my reactions or bottling them up or whatever I was doing. You continued to ask me about my mental health or about how are you doing, Wendell, because that forced me to actually, you know, really take a look at myself, take a look in the mirror and think how I am doing. And so I ended up reaching out to the survivor psychologist a couple times. I spoke with her. Um, and she then put me in touch with Jeff Probst and I talked to him and it, he, he has a good way of making you feel good. Like Probst is the best at, at that. But then afterwards I kind of, I didn't feel so good anymore because like a few days later I'm like, man. And then I watched more episodes and my, to me, my edit didn't get better. I just felt like, man, they're portraying me as a jerk. I don't, I don't think that that's me. But then again, I thought of, you know, it, it is a reality 
television show. So they're making a show and all shows need the good and the bad and people to root for and against. And I think it was very convenient for me to be a villain um, in this season, being as how I had a past with Michelle. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think Parv is like maybe Jeff's all time favorite player or something like that. So so she's like, you know, she is very high on the Rushmore. So for me, a guy that's voting out these people that are survivor greats and legends and Hall of Fame and all of that, Parv, Yule, et cetera, even Tyson before uh before he won his way back in. For me to do that and then for me to be on the same island as Michelle, this person who I had a history with, um, I think it was very easy for them to show me as the bad guy. And, um, yeah, I, I guess it makes for good TV because America has someone to root against and you always want that. But, man, it, it took a little toll on me. And all I could do is I just tried to hold my head high and understand who I truly am and um, and keep pushing. Yeah, I, I, I believe that's all that you really can do. And I also just think it's important uh, for people to Again, when I always like, you know, talk to my purple pants posse and I always like, you know, I just always say whenever you are going through something or whenever like it's okay to feel whatever emotion it is that you feel like I always if you want to have a pity party, go ahead, have a pity party. But it has to be limited, you know, give yourself three, four days, have a pity party. And then you got to realize like, you know what? It ain't worth it. And what I always say to you. Bitch, you made the merge, okay? <laughs> Listen, that's what some of us are, okay? Some of us just wanted to have the merge feast, okay? They didn't want a lot in life. Didn't make it that much far past the merge, but... Uh, I mean, but listen... You were there. They, okay? <laughs> I was there. I was there. Um, I find... I just find... I don't want to continue to bash my edit because first of all I signed up for it second of all I do like from top to bottom every all the you know producers and the editors and the everyone the segment producers and everything um so I do kind of question like who <laughs> decided this you know so maybe I'll have a talk with that person okay but, um, breaking news I I was out they asked me to edit a couple of episodes oh <laughs> surprise surprise no surprise there um, but I say this to say, like, I don't know. I just I, I think it was a I think it was a layup for them. The perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if, if not much is going on, then maybe maybe Wendell can be the edit. You also you also mentioned other people getting off of social media and doing things like that. I'd like to touch on that, um, but I don't want to I don't want to bash those people. I don't. There were a few of them. And I don't know. I think someone at one point called other castaways racist or something like that and um like maybe fans did because of how they voted i don't know who it was but i was the target of racial slurs and i don't know i i thought i thought my edit was one of the worst ones and i also didn't think that i did much to deserve the edit and for for me to stay on social media take my take my shots and be the target of racial slurs as opposed to being someone that was called a racist. I don't know. I think I think we as reality personalities, we as people on TV, we do need to have kind of kind of a thicker skin. But um, I don't know. I just I you feel just like have to, you, 
You Go have ahead. to take it with a grain of salt. And like, you know, unfortunately, it's, that's the climate that we live in. And it's like, you mm-hmm. know, it's either you choose to allow it to define you or you call it out when you see it and you rise above it. Because that's the only way that like we can actually like, you know, move the needle, have a conversation. And so I think that it's important that you're addressing it because there's a lot of things that like people say as these fans that are just not cool. But you also have to understand where it's coming from. You also have to understand it's 11 year old Billy who like, you know, that you will never see in person. These comments will never come your way in person. And if they do come your way in person, you better call me and I best be there because I'm with the heat and I'm with all of the smoke. Well, let's talk about that smoke and heat, man, because when Parv was voted out, (laughs) you were going to bat for me and responding to everybody and doing such and such. What's up? And then I got a text from you at like whatever, three in the morning, like, yo, when? There are too many of them. I got to fall back. <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> well, listen, I had a bedtime too, okay? Listen, yeah. I was going to bed. And so that also was difficult for me as well too because like, you know, going into this, uh, going into this show, I had a lot of things. Like, you know, first of all, poverty is my girl. Like, you know, I, I stand for Miss Poverty, even though I say her name wrong, sorry, but like, listen, I stand for Miss Poverty. So, you know, I, I, I needed to call the psychiatrist too because I'm like, wait a minute, they got Wendeezy and then it's Poverty. I'm like, Robert, what do I do? Robert, what do I do? And Robert's like, listen, you better go with Poverty. You better leave one doing the dust. I'm like, oh my God, Robert, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So it was like awkward for me as a fan as well too because I'm like, oh my God, these are like the legends of the legends of the legends of like some of the reasons as to why I watch Survivor. So it was also like difficult because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to cause a rift here and I don't want to cause a rift there. But at the end of the day, baby, I'm loyal to the soil. And you know, if somebody got a problem with Wendeezy, they got a problem with me. If somebody got a problem with Nicole, they got a problem with me. Somebody got a problem with Robert, they need to call Stephen Fish back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the worst person to call. Uh, maybe that's uh, what everybody else needed all, all these people that deleted their social media they didn't have a Bryce uh, behind them of uh, you know coming coming at all the haters I think <laughs> I think that might be it I'm for, very fortunate he's your secret have, weapon he, <laughs> I guess so that's what you're gonna call it I, I'm very fortunate to have Bryce and a nice little posse Rob you know I, I never show up to any events solo or mm-hmm. with one friend or two I'm usually four or five deep so I do have a good support system that was able to like um, to help me out, and Bryce as my number one supporter. Uh, he's a he's a great he's a great person for that. But he can't fight. <laughs> he's fighting those eleven year olds on Instagram. Okay. He can use the fighting words, but he's just knocking their heads together. Yes, okay, making them do their homework during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What like so? Another question I guess I have is like, who like you going into this window as a like fan of the show? We know like, were do you feel at any time that like you had to bring yourself down to reality because like you know we've all seen I don't know if they've seen but they've like your original like Survivor video where you're like at a courtroom and mm-hmm. Wendell's like holding the camera and he's like, hi, my name is Wendell Holland. And 
I clerk for courts, as you can see. And then he like pans around for three minutes and then back to himself. He's like, I'm in a courtroom. I clerk for court and I think I'd be great for stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this video? <laughs> so like, I don't know what we, you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Cause I could pull the receipts. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you, we know that you are like such a fan. Did you find yourself a lot of the time having to do a 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1? Or like, do you think that weighed in on like your gameplay this season? Or like, how did that actually affect you? Or what did it do for you? Right. So, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, still am. And but but I'm all, I'm man. I'm a 36 year old man. And oh, my I'm God. A com- <laughs> oh, my God. Bryce, just I, did, I'm, I did not realize a you few younger a few years. I did not you. realize you. You are 10 years. My senior <laughs> Bryce. Oh, Jesus. Pop, pop. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one. Um, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> window. I say, Bryce, you're abuelo. I have abuelo. abuelo. <laughs> Bryce, I had a point to make. G- Sorry, Jesus. I didn't know you was there. Oh, oh, golly. Okay, all right. What else, Bryce? What else? Oh. Okay, Jeremy. Grand, is my grand, gra- grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now let's 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 get back to this. As I was okay. saying, pop 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 pop. Okay, I'm done. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Pop pop. All right. Pop pop. Window. All right, sorry. I'm, I'm hanging sorry, up sorry. on this. So I was saying, um, check with old age, the memory go too. Jeez. <laughs> as I was saying, um, you asked me as a as a big fan. Newly, newly introduced into the Survivor family community. Um, it's it's awesome to now be a part of the Survivor family. It's real cool. But at the same time, I'm a competitor. I have played competitive sports my whole life. Um, I played against people I admire. I played against, you know, family members. I, and when I compete, I compete. And that's why a lot of times before the um, – before the you know challenges and whatnot, you'll see me with like a serious face on. That's my game face. No matter no matter if it's my idol or whatever, I'm gonna go out there and try to and and try to take their head off. You know, I'm gonna go do my thing. So and that's why I think I saw a photo from the last um, the last challenge to win back off the edge of extinction, and everyone had like you know their little faces on, and I was like like grimacing, like like scowling, like ready to compete. Because that's just what I have in my heart. That's the kind of um, that's that's how I was raised. So, despite the fact that I'm playing with these people that are legends and whatnot, I'm ready to go and I want to compete against them. So it was cool, and I definitely saw some other castaways that were kind of starstruck or whatever or whatever. Starstruck with you? No, not with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's just you, Bryce. <laughs> Every day, but anyway, no. Nah, I saw some 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 castaways that were like, you know, it was it was crazy to see these uh, these legends and the Rushmore and whatnot. But with me, it was just it was cool to compete with and against them. And but I knew I had a job to do, and I was on my job. And uh, yeah, I feel like you're being a little humble. So you didn't almost wet your pants when you was like when you seen Boston Rob. You know, here's what I will say about Boston oh, oh, Rob. Let's, yes, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and peel that back. Um, when I was on. To call 1.0, we're competing against um, we're competing against Selly, and we were we were a good looking tribe, and we were like winning. And then you have the 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 swap, and then you start learning things from other people. And there was one. T- what did 
like people were saying that like the shelter Boston Rob built was terrible or they there were some people saying like negative things about yeah. Boston Rob. And so that was in my head like uh I'm I'm not going to like this guy and he's, you know, whatever whatever one might assume about him. And I think it was at the merge that I heard from Ben. I think Ben said something like he put us in the kennel or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically referring to the uh, we were in the kennel. <laughs> he put us in the kennel. Yeah. Hey. So uh <laughs> He said that, and I'm like, man, Boston Rob, what kind of a person is this guy? But then I was voted off to the edge, mm-hmm. and um, there were there, there were a lot of edge politics out there. And looking back, I realized that you know a lot of stuff wasn't shared with me and a few other of the later edge people. But um, I did have a lot of real moments with Boston Rob, and I learned that he's a real like that man is a real man, like he's a genuine, um, very worldly. He's smart. He was talking to me about Mozambique. This man, like, I, I, I get Boston Rob, and he's, uh. to me, he wasn't the person that they were talking about. Like, I was like, nah, man, I, I rock with this guy. I would go to I would go to war with this guy. And then I saw how he competed in the challenges, and I'm like, he's got a lot of heart in him, despite the fact that, you know, he got a little belly and he was a little oh. slower than he used to be. <laughs> he, the man, like, he's a, he's a competitor, and I, I, I vibe with that you said he talked to you about Dawson's Creek fool I said Mozambique oh I was gonna say what do you know about Dawson's Creek let me no, call him country in the mother hey, let me tell you about Dawson <laughs> he's gonna be a filmmaker <laughs> now nah, he was he was a solid dude man I'm like I have nothing bad to say about about him you as a as one of these like you know newer winners that's a, a big fan um people have asked me um has your opinions about people changed and things like that and in Boston Rob's case um I'm a big I'm an even bigger fan now than I was I I was just like you know what let's see let's see how he is in real life before I was happy to meet him but then yeah after meeting him I was just like man I'm sold I understand why who he is in the survivor community yeah I I think that makes a lot of sense I mean you get along with Dom and him and Boston Rob like uh not uh too different in terms of of guys that uh, maybe you know on the outside you might uh, think they're one way, but they're actually like uh, you know uh, probably would surprise you with like uh, how much uh, they are going to be willing to like have a conversation with you, and so I-, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Both a lot more dynamic than one would think. Um, yeah, for sure. Can I ask some questions about the like uh, the stuff that was going on in the game? Because I feel like that we have so many questions for the people that were on the outside in terms of like what was really going on at different points and I would just love to hear your perspective on the whole sequence in the game where it's after the swap you end up on the beach with Michelle she's talking a lot about how you guys had this uh, this relationship you guys kicked it and I don't know it seemed like that you guys are also but you're working together it seems like so could you just clear up some of the confusion of like uh, were you guys on the same page or was there a disconnect with you and Michelle I would love to talk about this and talk this through a little bit because even to this day I'm still a little confused so going into the game um me and Michelle talked a lot before before going in we dated um back in when I was on Ghost Island 
And then we remained friends forever since then. And so going into the game, we wanted to work together or that's what was communicated to me from her. And I communicated that to her. After watching the edit, I feel I I don't know if I'm crazy or not. I, I don't know because I look at this edit and I'm saying to myself, either she was playing me from when we dated through literally the day before we went out there or we did have a plan and she just she just went a little hard with it. So um, let's see, where do I even begin? Even all the way back to casting. Casting, I think they flew out maybe like a small handful of winners in different waves. And we happened to be in the same hotel at the same time on the same floor. And I think she texted me like, yo, I'm in room such and such. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in room such and such. We're, we're neighbors or whatever. And producers would go in there and she said, all right, hey, when I just told them that, you know, we used to date. And I'm like, all right, fine, cool. It is our past. It is what it is. Cool. And I'll say the same thing. And so going in, literally, we had so many communications and every in-person interaction, we were always super cool. And I'm like, yo, this is a genuine friend of mine. So going into the game, I I believe that she was my number one. Would Uh, you, real quick to interject, is clear this up for me. If Michelle would have never said that to production that we would have dated, is that something you would have chose to come out? Like, is that something that you would have rather just like people have speculated? Or do you think that it was smart for you guys to get ahead of the game? Like, I want to know your thoughts in retrospect after watching and what your thought was before you went out. That's a good question. So um, if you're if you're a producer and you have two people going on this this show Survivor that have this kind of a past you want to hear that so you can make storylines or whatever Mm -hmm. can happen Ooh, she can backstab him he can backstab her whatever they might have a showmance whatever as a producer that's gold as a player you could be the new Robin Amber (laughs) (laughs) they don't know true that's true or uh, or Sebastian and Jen the new Seabass and Jen okay The uh, new uh, Chris Underwood and Bryce. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's infinite. No, Wendell, my question is not as a producer. I'm asking you for gameplay wise. Is that something if you could have controlled the narrative? Like, is that something that you would have wanted to talk about or not? Yeah, there are many. uh, That's it's a good question. I was I think I was trying to get to it. Um, If. (laughs) Shade. If uh, yes or no, I mean it's. uh, Well, for you think of it like this: you want to when you step on the island. um, I guess you want to. If you don't address things head on, then people are going to. Uh, speculate and they're going to have their own assumptions. For example, I didn't say much about it and uh, Sophie, while I was on DeCall 1.0, Sophie who was allied with me at the time came up to me and said, hey uh, did you used to date Michelle? And so I said, yeah we used to date and um, in this game I would either work with her or I won't work with her whatever, like whatever our allies say is what I'll do. So I didn't, I wasn't trying to, I just was trying to leave my options open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward a little bit to us being on the same beach. I was so excited to be on the same beach with her and with Nick and with Yule and with Parv. Um, more so Michelle and then Nick and then you, in that in that order, Michelle, then Nick, then Yule, then Parv, because that was where my alliances, the, those were my alliances um, from top to bottom. And... I also going in, I was dating someone, Michelle was dating someone. 
So I didn't I didn't want to like be too too close to her mm-hmm. for m- multiple reasons. First of all, I'm dating someone, but second of all, if we show that we are close, people will couple that with the fact that we were in a uh, situation <laughs> that we were kicking it uh, long ago, and they'll say, you know what, these two are working together. This is a, a power couple, and we have to split them up. So my my objective was to distance myself. I think Dom even said, Dom was like, Wendell, when you get on that beach, don't even look at Michelle. Don't even look at Jeremy. I didn't <clears> say <throat> anything pregame to Jeremy, but I did say a lot with Michelle, and I was trying to like not even look her way because I thought that we had an agreement. Like, yo, we are our number ones. We're going to go in this thing. We're going to keep this on the low, and we're going to get to the end. Mm-hmm. So we get to the beach, and there's a clip of her saying, like, what, you're not going to su- come say hi to me or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, I'm supposed to come say hi to you? Like, it's, this isn't discreet or anything. So I was trying to – I was really trying to stay away from her. Um, and then, you know, she'd go to – Parv or whatever and say, oh, Wendell's arrogant, Wendell's this, Wendell's that, Wendell's cocky. And that's a that's a good gameplay for her because it's distancing herself from me. And obviously she was trying to preserve the ruse that she was close with Parv, I thought. Um, like, like I keep saying I thought because to this day – um, like I didn't say a lot of negative things about Michelle on this on that beach. She said a lot of negative negative things about me, and I'm still trying to discern whether, all right, was this really game or like, do you not like me? Are we not cool? Were were we not talking together, talking about this game and how we would play, or were you just playing me through all those conversations? And that means you had you you're either a phenomenal actress. Um, you're, you're a great survivor player and you had a lot of time on your hands because I, I don't, <laughs> I didn't have the time to do all of that, but I, I, I did it because I thought that we were going to work together in the game. This is what I would say. My opinion on it is that I think that, you know, with Michelle, uh, she said a lot on her season with her edit being as though like she went through a lot with being a feeling as though she was not a deserved winner and I've talked a lot about this on my podcast where I feel like you know if your name is written down and you won that million dollars I feel like you're a winner I think in this situation with you Wendell I think that Michelle is a very strong social player and I feel like in this game I feel like she out socialed you I feel like from a fan watching I feel like she had something with you and was working it to her advantage but also at the same time she was playing another game in the event that you guys don't work together or you get separated. And so I just say that to Michelle's game, kudos to her. And I, I feel like her making those type of like decision calls and playing how she did is the reason that she got to sit at the end. And so as a fan, I kind of sort of have to somewhat tip my head off to her like, okay, Shelly, you did that. Um, because I just feel like she just, I don't know, like it, it's hard for you in that situation because it's like a, not a really win-win situation if she's telling the story story there's no real way for you to kind of come back especially like playing the game that you're playing so I just that's just my two cents about out that is that like she really kind of like it just goes to show you why she won her season and why she got so far in this game in my opinion I'm gonna have to um agree with you and say socially Michelle um she's she's great like everyone everyone thinks that she loves them or they love her or whatever like socially um she has that about her but 
I will also say in the same breath that there there came a point in the game, it seemed as though there were people that people wanted to sit next to at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to get to the end of the game if you're a person that people want to sit next to at the end of the game. Yeah. So so you you add that to the fact that she is great socially and she's she can win a challenge when she needs to and like hey i tip my hat to her as well um i i absolutely do another question just to kind of like get off this michelle topic when you guys were on that beach with michelle pav and uh yule hey, hey, and who's, Ni- who's pav okay here we go, here we go. parv poverty okay. Um, well, talk me through this one thing because this is where I didn't understand, and this is I was cussing you out. That that tribal council where you know you was bartering with poverty about them fire tokens, and then after she trying to like expose you, please explain to me why in tribal you are like still entertaining the idea because I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, okay, okay. Pop, I'll, pop. I, I'd like to. I'd like to unpop unpack the pav thing um <laughs> it's the only possible wrong yeah <laughs> pav, pav. <laughs> How, how do I begin with this? Oh, I've always been a big fan of poverty and when I got on the beach with her her and I walked to the water to the water well and I was like yo I'm a big fan um and I, I'd like to work with you. This is what happened on Decal 1.0. And I told her all the alliances. I told her which groups were with which groups. I, I felt like I told her everything. This is right when we got on the beach of Selly 2.0. And her response to me was, she basically said, like, Wendell, I would work with and listed all the remaining players from Selly 1.0. So I gave her pretty much everything from the original Decal, and she gave me nothing. So at that interaction, I learned she probably won't work with me. Then going forward for however many days or hours, however long it was that we were on the same beach before we voted her off, um, all my allies would come to me and say, yeah, Parv is saying your name. Yeah, Parv wants you out. Yeah, Parv wants you out. Michelle would say it. Nick would say it. Yule would say it. So I know she wants me out. Her actions showed me that she doesn't want to work with me. So then finally, later in the day... um, on the night of tribal council, literally in the ninth hour, she comes to me and says, "Hey, let's 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 negotiate or something. Let's let's make something happen. Or do you want to mm-hmm. work with me or something?" In the ninth hour, so I question I question a lot about that and and her motives and everything. So I say, "I'll sell you my vote for two fire tokens." First of all, of of course, I was not going to sell her my vote for two fire tokens. But if you have only showed me one side of you. From the very first interaction with me throughout, and it's corroborated throughout all of my interactions with all my allies, which is everyone else on the beach. And then in the ninth hour, you come to me with some some kind of scheme. I know that you're playing me. So ultimately, in that conversation, which wasn't probably wasn't shown, like I said to her, I'm going to be real with you. I'm vote. I'm writing your name down. I'm pretty sure you're writing my name down. I still am a big fan of you. I travel to Georgia all the time. She was living in Marietta at the time. And I was like, we can hang out afterwards. I'd love to meet John and your baby. But I understand kind of where this game is going and and another thing i said was i'm like parv i'm being real with you i'm keeping it real i'm looking you in the eyes and being real with you whereas every single one else on that beach was lying to her michelle had a a plan and yule to to get her tokens and to share and break down her tokens and give me a token that was their plan Mm. so if if they're if they're lying to you if yule is saying he'll vote with you like everyone else on the beach is lying to you i didn't say all of that i just Mm -hmm. said hey I'm being real with you. 
I hope you respect someone that's being real with you. And then let's fast forward to tribal council. You hear me say, Parv, I tried to work with you. That was me referring to that very first conversation on the beach. I'm telling her everything and she gave me nothing. But the way it looked on camera was because no one saw that first conversation. It was, oh, Wendell tried to strong arm her for two fire tokens. And that's how he, quote unquote, tried to work with her. So after me, you know, feeling me being the only one that Parv was targeting the whole time that we were together. Then finally in final in that tribal council, I was like, you know what? If she wants to work with me, she'll work with me right now. So I will put it on the table. I will say the deal is still on the table to see if she will actually work with me. She looks back, looks at me and stays seated. She doesn't try to talk to me or anything. And that has been the whole story of of me and Parv on that beach. It's like, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little something, but you're not going to reciprocate. So I clear, I know you're, you're gunning for me. So at the very least, the justice I will do you is I'll be honest with you and I'll be real with you and say like, look, I'm voting, I'm writing your name down and I'm keeping it real. I question if anyone else is keeping it real, but I think you should respect someone that, that keeps it real. That was my, that was my thing. Now, granted, in that tribal and and here's another thing okay i i'm not gonna lie during ghost island i got a lot of flack i made the mistake of reading a lot of reddit and people saying wendell's boring and this that and the third so yes bryce i was trying to do the bryce thing and spice up tribals a little bit extra and and, and don't say that because then dominic abet is going to say that he was right so don't don't be saying you was getting spicy from bricey I, uh, I was but i was i was trying to i was trying to put a little more oomph into these tribals and okay. so I, I, I guess I'm to fault for that. But at the same time, um, it's a more it's it's just a more in-depth story than than how it was portrayed. So um, can I can I ask ahead. about in terms of like uh, so you had asked poverty at that tribal council. OK, give me give me a name. Were you just trying to get her to name one of the, one of the other people to sort of like uh, get other people on board with? See, uh, this is why we have to vote like drive a wedge between poverty and these other players. Players. I think I asked that. Um, I'm not trying to rewrite history. I think I asked that because I knew she wasn't going to give me a name. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, my my thing was like, yo, let's be real. You want to work with me? And and then later I learned that she had an idol nullifier. You have a lot of things to bargain with. Mm -hmm. But from my perspective, because of who she is or whatever, she wasn't willing to, to work with me um, for whatever reason. May, uh, it could. I mean, it's probably because there were other clear um, more clear relationships that she could have honed, like her and Yule playing together, Nick being fangirling over her, <laughs> and her and Michelle <laughs> playing together on Selly. Um, yeah. I had a I had a real crush on poverty when I was in third grade. <laughs> yeah. So so I think I I I think it was more so me just saying give me a name because I know you're not going to give me a name. And had she given me a name, I would have tried to. I probably would have had to do something on the fly. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, clear, I was going to vote her out regardless. It, it would have probably resulted in a lot of whispers between the alliances and whatnot. But I was just doing that and saying I'd still work with you because I absolutely knew she was not going to work with me. You still taking that trip down to Georgia? Uh, you know, I go to Georgia every couple months. Oh, okay. I mean, not not given this this climate, mm -hmm. this uh, the COVID such. But yeah, man. Um, so Parv, I have the utmost respect for her game, um, but we just we weren't on the same page on the island. You know, uh, I just think with 
to tie it back in with the Michelle situation, like I, I feel like that one of your superpowers in uh, the game of Survivor is that you are uh, one of these other players that has this uh, tremendous social game where almost everybody that's out there feels like they have this really great relationship with you. But because of the situation with, oh, I've got to distance myself from Michelle, I've got to distance myself from from Jeremy, it's almost like that that superpower is like you are like having like one hand tied behind your back with a couple of these players and then Parvati is somebody else who like has that you know a great superpower as well where she can turn it on with the people that she wants and so it kind of like opens the door where then Michelle is feeling like well I don't know how close Wendell and I really are uh he's seeming like the you know he's being a little distant and Parvati's able to sort of like turn the tractor beam on and then bring Michelle in under her wing and then is creating like that room for things to be like uh even more distant and like sort of like fanning the flames in terms of the potential like Wendell versus Michelle riff for sure. Um, yeah, Parv is so she's so great at Survivor and great at being social. And um, <laughs> maybe there were too many great social players out there. And yeah, I guess I was kind I was kind of stuck with the whole Michelle thing and me forcing myself not to um, not to be around her so much. And but what's crazy is they could probably find enough footage to make it look like we were like I, I don't know they they could there's enough footage out there to make it look like me and Michelle were best friends out there mm-hmm. um, there were so many times like so many things times that we just like be in the water together talking and plotting or whatever and I thought that I was almost scared that they would try to spin that as like a showman's <laughs> like yeah the- I, but I wonder if that would have been uh, that I mean maybe not for your relationships at home I wonder if that would have been the the better way to go uh, strategically and I wonder maybe they would have gone after Michelle if they would have felt like oh that Wendell and Michelle have a relationship or at least That's not like point. not even showman's but even like hey like uh like uh come on Michelle let's uh, like uh we got this <laughs> Uh, yeah, or, or one of us. If if we walked into it, um, like like saying saying something, saying we were we were closer or acting like we were a lot a lot friendlier. Yeah, um, one of us would have gotten the axe sooner than later, and I don't know if it would have been her or me, but I don't know. I think I think one of us still would have gotten. Maybe those guys say like, "Hey, we got to split up Wend- Wendell and Michelle." That uh, Michelle's trying to steal our guy. Right. Yeah. And then you know who's going to get voted out, Robert. <laughs> Maybe it's Michelle. Maybe it's 50-50. Maybe. (laughs) Flip that coin. Uh, Hold on. Is that my phone ringing? Hold on. Hello? Uh Malcolm Malcolm Fredericksburg. Uh, hey, my oh, okay. I, I actually I got Wendell now. I'll ask him. Well, segue into a next question, Wendell. I got that a lot of people seem to comment on, and especially Malcolm Friedberg, Friedberg, Malcolm Fredrickberg. Um, h- how you say his name, Robert? Friedberg, Friedberg, Freak, Friedberg, or Freak? I don't think freak. it's free. Free freak is uh, freaky is freak. <laughs> ah, okay. Friedberg. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of things to say on the Twitter um, during your season, and Malcolm was very vocal about your toothpick. Okay, Can, please explain to the people what the hell you was doing with a toothpick in your mouth during the challenge. Okay, it ain't that much gingivitis or plaque out there on Survivor that you need to be worried about. So, can you talk us through your toothpick? Because I mean, I, at this point, I think. The toothpick has a Twitter handle, Wendell's toothpick. Yeah, somebody made that. Um, what can I say? 
It was me. Okay. <laughs> All right. First and foremost, um, for those that don't know or were so offended that I um, constantly had a toothpick in my mouth, <laughs> um, I we we don't have toothbrushes or to, uh, toothpaste or anything out there. So I was trying to stay, you know, stay a little, keep my keep my teeth a little healthy, and that's why I always had a toothpick. Maybe I have some kind of like. Um, maybe it helps me focus. I don't know what it is, but I've always, I keep toothpicks in my book bags, in my car. I, I have like, I mean like those bags of toothpicks, like the, the plastic ones, the interdental flosser thing. Yeah. There's like six of them in my couch. Right. Exactly. So I, I'm all, I always have them and I'm always like picking at my teeth. Okay. That's just, it might just be a nervous tick even. I, I don't know. But when I'm out there, um, because we don't have, we don't have toothbrushes or toothpaste, that's one thing that I do to at least least try to keep some sort of dental hygiene. I don't recommend anyone participating in challenges or any kind of sporting activities or any activity with a toothpick in your mouth. That's that's not a smart dangerous. decision. It's a stupid it's a dangerous stupid decision. Um but I, I don't know why I, I had it in my mouth uh, during a challenge. But usually I would spit it out or I would throw it out sometimes in an easier challenge. Maybe maybe I used it and I chewed on it to focus or something like that. Kind of how I interact or talk a little bit during challenges to, to maintain focus. That's, that's how I do it. Um, but some people ask, like, oh, at the end of a challenge, Wendell had a toothpick in his mouth and he didn't have it during the challenge. I would like... I'd always have a little stash of toothpicks somewhere, okay? <laughs> somewhere to make sure that at, when it's all said and done, at the very least, I could still keep these, uh, keep these teeth fresh. So you mean to tell me on Survivor when people are hoarding rice, people are hoarding fire tokens, people are hoarding peanut butter, you out there hoarding toothpicks? <laughs> I didn't have a lot to hoard, my man. Um, I, yeah, I... I would even give away toothpicks. Ah, oh, yeah. After you use them? Yeah, of course. After I use them, Bryce. The only one, the only person that would want those are you. <laughs> if they was coming from Chris Underwood, maybe. But Yikes. Not you. So that's the toothpick thing. Um, I have another question. Um, this is one that I know a lot of people, it seemed when you made the merge and it seemed that when you and Jeremy Collins got together, I seen a lot of people that were like living for like, you know, two African-American winners, well-liked, like, yes, I'm here for the Wendell and the Jeremy Alliance. And if maybe you can talk me through like what your perception of that was uh, linking up with Jeremy uh, uh, and what your perception was that the the tribe thought, because obviously the second that, you know, they saw you guys together, automatically you two black players, we got to break that up. Um, and so I, I also think that that's a, a, a interesting dynamic of Survivor uh, because we know that this is a thing and it doesn't always get talked about and I think that it's important for us to talk about it in a healthy way uh, because we can see other players together at Adam, a Ben, a Boston Rob and it's never really as automatic as like when Wendell and Jeremy got together it was like oh no this can't be a thing and ultimately we see that that was some of the leverage that was used against you during that vote to get you out. Yeah it's crazy when you listed all those players you didn't even list your Kagayan folk. Oh my bad Tony and Sa- Sa- Sarah, the two Sarah. strong, the two strongest people on the alliance. Okay, uh, on, right on the on the island. Uh, okay, so a lot to a lot to speak about there. First of all, when I was able to finally get on the same island with Jeremy Collins, it felt it felt awesome. 
I had kind of idolized this guy. Um, t- I modeled my game after his. I was able to win just like him. Um, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of black castaways. There aren't a lot of black winners, and um, it was cool to to be able to win and kind of put myself in that in that category. I thought after my win that I could do a lot with uh, with this platform, and I can open up. Um, survivor to like new community new communities that not necessarily that don't necessarily always watch survivor i thought i could be a great ambassador for the show and all of that i i watched someone like jeremy and he's such an upstanding great father and an an example and so i wanted to kind of carry that torch and for me to get on this winners at war season with this person who i met a handful of times and it's always been all love and for me to compete with and or against him, um, I was excited for the opportunity. And when we finally made the merge and we're on the same beach, I was elated. I wasn't, quote unquote, broing down or whatever everyone says. Yeah, like I, I will crack some jokes with him. I'll like, you know, push him around or whatever, because that's, I guess, the nature of our friendship. By the way, you guys but, were hilarious on uh, Ponderosa. Oh, okay. <laughs> Luckily, we had that. We had that. That was awesome. But uh, yeah, there were other very glaring and and more clear and closer allies and friends out there. But for one reason or another, and I'm not going to speculate, Jeremy and I were targeted. And um, it was – here's something about Jeremy um, that made me – dislike him actually for a a while after the challenge it was the the merge challenge was that telephone pole thing where you hang on to it as long as you can and you slide down you could kill yourself when you fall down it right um when we were done that challenge we we get and this is this speaks to why i felt so comfortable that night at tribal when we are done with that challenge we take a boat back um and we're getting off the boat and you know we have to be on lockdown when the cameras aren't there to maintain continuity for the show. You know if they're if we're talking on this boat that quote unquote doesn't exist, then it's not gonna be shown on the show and it will mess things up. So we get off the boat and Jeremy and I get off last, and he whispers, "You're good, you're good, you're good." So to me, I was good, and this guy who just won immunity. And who was my big bro and all of that outside of the game, because that's when we're on lockdown, told me I was good. So then I was comfortable. And then we get we uh, go to the you know, we go up to the camp and I think it starts raining and all these things. People are scrambling. People are, are doing this and that. And but Jeremy told me I was good. Um, Michelle and Nick, my allies, they were left out of the vote. And so. I I truly believe that the vote was on Adam. I didn't think any heat was on me. But fast forward, and then I realized that Jeremy, my big bro, voted against me. And when I when I watched it back, I saw that he did try to fight for me. But what really hurt me was he like he didn't let me fight for myself, or he didn't give me the opportunity to fight for myself. And because he said I was good, and then fast forward a few hours, and he writes my name down without any conversations between us. I was I really felt some type of way when I went to the edge, when I was on the edge, and I was disliking him until people started coming and saying, um, you know, Jeremy fought for you, this, that, and the third. And then when he finally came, 
um, we were able to piece things up a little bit. But it hurt me that he said. And and granted, the tide things changed. You know, I right yeah. different names were thrown out and all of that. So you know, I I understand that. But at the same time, I I was so confident because. He said I was good at a point in time when you're not even supposed to be talking. Right. But, I mean, to Jeremy's defense, and although, listen, and if Jeremy listen, I don't like you, and you're not getting a Christmas card, okay? <laughs> That's just that. Don't text me. Don't call. Not to Jeremy. But, so, but to, to Jeremy's defense, and, you know, Jeremy is a great player, and, you know, we saw the, the episode, he fought for you, and maybe at that time when he's saying you're good, like, in his mind, he had the numbers. However, that was a very live tribal, and we know that during your season, you guys had a lot of tribal. And so, one, did you expect him to, like, in the middle of it, turn and be like, bro, it's changed? Because then that will automatically put a target on his back. And the one thing that I can commend, ugh, even though I don't want to give it to him, is that the one thing that I can and what I say that I like about Jeremy as a player is that, like, he knows how to adapt. And it's like, baby, the window ship is sinking. And unfortunately, like, if I don't vote with them, then they will think other about me and his game is tarnished. So it's like... It's a no-win situation for Jeremy, but obviously, in my opinion, he played the best game for himself, although it did not necessarily include you, and there was, like, not much that he can do. And I'm sure, like, obviously, you realize that, but at the time, I can imagine getting voted out. I would be pissed off as well, too. Like, what what are you doing? But I just think that he did the best that he could, but at the end of the day, if that's the way the tide is going, he can't throw up any, like, smoke, like, he, like, it, it just, that that is definitely between a rock and a hard place for Jeremy to kind of, like, warn you at Tribal. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he shouldn't have said anything to me at Tribal. I just, you know, I would have liked it. Evie. What else that? Oh, <laughs> maybe before Tribal, like, oh, it's you. No, it's, um, I love that guy to death. And despite all of that, like, I can look back on it and understand the multiple perspectives and understand what it would have done to his game had he fought so hard for me. So, you know, he did what he could, and he saw that the numbers were just, he couldn't, he couldn't whip the vote, and so he... He went with it. I, I get it. I know Survivor. I get it. Definitely. Yeah, I got the sense that he did everything in his power that he could to get it back. It seemed like that he really worked in that episode. And, and I'm sure at the time that he told you that you were good, he thought you were good. I don't know when it, when it might have changed, but uh, that nobody was letting Jeremy have his way with anything. Like, it was a miracle that he got as far as he did. For sure. For sure. Um, but if, if, if you want to... I don't know how much you want to touch on it, Bryce, but I will say that there's something clearly visible about me and Jeremy that's different from anyone else on the cast. And I do believe that there were stronger alliances and friendships and bonds out there. And the simple fact that Jeremy and I were on the same island, um, I don't know. I I, I think that... uh, I don't know. In a lot of these reality shows, you see minorities targeted or voted out early. And definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I definitely. It's just, uh, again, I just think it's important to just bring that to, to light. And that, yes, they see two black men together. And it's like, ooh. And it, it just is what it is. Again, you reflecting of my season, Okagian, even though it ain't winners at war. Like, you know, 
I'm voted out third because I'm I, like, you know, but first on my season because I'm such a target. Like, what makes me the target? So, I mean, I just think it's just important to have those conversations and to make people aware of like their bias and that it's based in essentially like n- not reality. Like, it, it's not fair to us, but unfortunately, representation is important. So, the more that we are present, the more that we go out there and we play these games and we have winners like you and we have winners like Jeremy, we have winners like Earl and we have winners like Vesepia. It's important for us to see that and it's important for people like you to continue to represent Survivor in the way that you do because you are, again, my epitome and I don't want this to be this, oh, Bryce is just standing out over window. But like, you know, you are the epitome, in my opinion, of what a Survivor player is. And so I think that it's important to have that conversation. I don't think it's important for us to get held up on it, but it's important for us to make it that, yes, this is an issue, okay? And like, you know, Jeff talked about the bias on Survivor, like, you know, when Sarah brought up the women bias. There's a lot of other survivors of bias, Jeffrey, that we can talk about. And I think that that is important as the show evolves, as like, you know, the the people watch it get more diverse. It's important for us to, you know, have representation. And I, I, I think that that is important. And I don't think that we should feel uncomfortable about bringing it up um, because I, again, feel the more that it is talked about, the more that we say how we feel about it, you know, in a respectful way, the more that the message can get out, the more that people are like, well, you know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe I did think that, you know what? Maybe, yeah, like, you know, and it's important for people to recognize that. And that's how the conversation can get going. And that's how, like, we can make change. And that's how we can use our platforms as young, some of us younger than others, but as young African-Americans in this community, uh, you know, to put that to the front of our platform but again and I just you know first of all just commend you again for coming on and speaking your truth and I don't want to hold you or rob it up too much longer but you know if you got any like closing questions for for the baby boy Robert well I I just want to say that uh, I uh, agree with everything you're saying about uh, the conversation that needs to be had with uh, you know racial bias and uh, discrepancies in race on the show and I I think that you know it's it's hard it's harder to do on a winner season but there was a couple of uh, people that they could have also included uh, in this season to make the playing field more level but I think that in a regular season I I do think that you can address that more in casting and I think that instead of having you know uh, only you know two or three minorities on a given season that I think that you could really uh, you know uh, shake up what the cast looks like and you know uh, that that's really the only way to make it more fair is to you know have a more diverse cast that's coming together in these different seasons of the show i i agree i agree rob for sure um another thing is and this has been a complaint by some of the minority uh castaways um it's we we have kind of a different story and for us to have a little more representation as far as storytellers um i think that could also that might also help things and you don't see a lot you don't see any um black producers or anything like that so if we were to see any anything like that um i think that that could help the cause just so so that our story might be able to be told just so so more of our perspective could be shown and um what else i had one more thing oh i i i question if survivor will really touch the race thing we saw um they went like 
there was a very touching moment with, with the Zeke and Varner moment in Game mm-hmm. Changers. And uh, then you had um, the, the terrible things that happened on season 39. And um, you have Sarah Lucina speaking out and being a strong woman. And I have I said on the show, like on to call 1.0, Sarah is the strongest person on this beach. And um, to this day, she's in my top 10 of, of strong survivor players. And she's a good, good friend of mine and on to call 1.0. So um, you're seeing survivor talk about these certain topics. Um, but I question if they'll ever, or if they will truly delve into the, the race thing because, uh, because of many reasons. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if they will, but I do know that there was a time when I, I had a very con- candid conversation with Sarah Lucina on to call 1.0 about police relations with, with, um, the black community and I don't go on survivor to talk politics, to talk race, to talk anything. I try to, um, I don't think that that's the winning strategy for the the game. And so I right. try to stick towards a winning strategy. But, um, when I was on to call 1.0, I heard Nick yelling about how bad police are to Sarah Lucina. And I'm like, man, Nick just opened this door. So, um, maybe like an hour later, I was just like washing pans or something down by the water. And Sarah came down to join me, who was a friend of mine on the, on the beach and still is to this day. I, I have the utmost respect for her, although we are very different people. Um, but I then said, Hey, Sarah, I didn't want to speak about any of this on the show, but I, I heard you speaking about police and, She's from a very small, um, I guess, district where if a police officer uses profanity or if a police officer runs a red light, they get written up and things like that. It's very, it's, it's this area. It's, I guess it's this, this little utopia over there, but I'm from Philadelphia where I see and hear a lot. I, 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 and within my community, I've seen so much and in the black community, it happens so often. So I, I just told her, I, I told her my perspective. I said, hey, Sarah, I think that if every police officer was like you and like your department, um, it would be great. But from my perspective, this is what I see. And I told her about, I think I, I mentioned like, you know, police brutality and killings and things like that, that happened to people that look like me on a, a very disproportionate basis. And that was a conversation that I didn't want to have on Survivor. I think it's a very important conversation. But did you guys see it on the show? No, I did not because, see that one. Yeah, no, because I, I don't think I don't think that I question if they're prepared to have those kinds of talks or if they'll ever be prepared to have those kinds of conversations on Survivor. You have a lot of people, um, a lot of the viewers that um, they they you know survivors to take them away from whatever's going on in the world and they want to laugh at survivor and see funny characters and things like that and they don't necessarily always want to see social issues on the show i understand that mm-hmm. and um so i just i question if survivor will ever touch or really really touch the race thing and how far they might delve into that i know there was the jamal and jay I think jack. Jay was jack the jamal and jack conversation that was a great conversation about microaggressions, but um, I don't know how far that they'll go into that. And I again, I again say that um, if we had some kind of like minority or black um, storytellers or mm-hmm. producers, then it, it could help. So that's my uh, that's that's all I got. And I, I definitely think that it can change. And again, you I always look at things with my glass half full, and I think. Again, with ambassador players like yourself, 
Jer- like, you know what I mean? That, like, you know, you inspire young players that people that will play again after you like new players like they will like you know you're empowering them and i think that again the conversation is important and then so like whether or not it was shown guess what you had that conversation with sarah and it probably affected her and like you know what i'm saying so again it's just whether it's shown or not as long as you me everyone does their part and is open to the conversation. I think that that's truly how we get the ball rolling. Um, and I'm a proponent of, listen, things can change. You know, it ain't going to be easy, but it can change. But to wrap up like this interview and your winners at war experience, do you have an overall like, you know, we talked about a lot of heavy hitting things. And I'm glad that you were able to be honest and that you were very candid about your experience. But I don't want to leave the listeners at all thinking that like you like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I just what overall like how was the experience for you? Like, you know what? Like, you know what? You had some highs, you had some lows, but what what's what do you wrap it up with? What do you say? Whew. Um, overall, I am appreciative that I was on the Winners at War season. There were a lot of um, these legends that said that this was going to be their last time playing. If that's the case, then I was absolutely honored to play with them. These phenomenal uh, players that have laid the groundwork and the foundation for this amazing game and this incredible show. Um, so it was... It was a blessing to be on the show. Uh, sadly, I, my, my time on the island was cut a little bit short, but fortunately I was able to continue to compete uh, because they had the edge. Despite what people think about the edge as a player, I appreciated them having yeah. it, uh, but we don't need to bring it back anymore. But I'm just, I'm grateful to be a winner and to have been able to play on Winners at War. That's exciting. And can you also tell the people, now don't get me wrong, you you know I love senior, okay? But uh, what was your thought process on not having me as your loved one? Could you imagine if I would have jumped out on that boat and would have been like, window! Right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Ne- next time, man. Next time. Next time. It would have been ridiculous. I don't know, man. I don't know what I would have done. I would have ran away from you, actually. <laughs> Don't do that. They would have wanted to keep you and send me home. (laughs) Well, I mean, true. True, 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 true. But so this was super exciting. Uh, Robert, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on. First of all, this this was not Housewives of Potomac, okay? Or Love at the Locker, Robert. So don't think that you off the hook, okay? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Well, this was really fun to get to catch up with uh, Wendell. I still have so much more that uh, I'd love to know about uh, the whole experience. But uh, we'll have... We'll have to wait till another time. But Wendell, just don't forget, Tony had to have his game changers, okay? Not everybody gets to go two for two uh, or, or you know, win, win every single time out there. Sometimes you got to go out there and lay down in the spy bunker before you can come back again. And fly in the spy nest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, Tony had... Tony had Game Changers, and he has said, like, I think he either threw out everything from Game Changers or got rid of it. Um, So, and then you saw him come back, and Game Changers taught him a lot, and Winners at War has taught me a lot. You wrote down GOAT, greatest of all time, on your parchment when you voted for Tony. That uh, that Were you that blown away by him while you were sitting there on the jury? Rob, from... 
from the edge shortly after I was voted off. I started looking and listening in tribal and I was like, man, Tony is running this thing. And to watch it unfold and know from the edge that he is just that he is he's doing so much and to make it to the end and to run circles around what is this collection of all-time greats i can't i can't i can't put it any other way i saw him do it in Cagayan. he got his wings clipped in game changers he adjusted and he came back and ran circles around a very very solid cast so in my opinion he has to be on his own tier as the greatest of all time and what was I, I don't know, know what I, season he was started on but <laughs> whatever it was you guys have this in common you guys both played in a season that Tony won you're even uh, oh I never thought about that yeah oh, but Wendell what I cause I what season was he like? What was the first season that Tony was on? I don't know. I'm not a big Survivor fan. He was on one season. It was very long ago. Okay, okay, that's cute. That's real cute. But Robert, what else is going on uh, at RHAP this week? What can the people check out from you? What you got cooking up over there? Well, look. If you want to hear more about what Wendell had going on when he was at the Ponderosa, I went and I watched all of the Ponderosa videos. You got to see uh, Wendell hazing Jeremy Collins, calling him uh, an old man, making fun of Tyson, uh, all that stuff uh, that it wouldn't leave Jeremy Collins alone. Poor Nick just wanted to play <laughs> basketball with Wendell, that he would, that he was, Wendell was still bothering Jeremy, even though uh, Nick had nobody else to talk to at the Ponderosa. Uh, it was all fun stuff that uh, you can check out my Ponderosa videos. I'm still working on uh, more interviews. So plenty of stuff going on on Robert's podcast. Yes, I love it. And then and real quick, Wendell, before you go, what's going on in Beef Unlimited land? Okay, what, 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 what you be doing? What's up? Yeah, we're still building. Um, during the quarantine, we've actually gotten more clientele. A lot of people have us building stuff. So, Beef Unlimited, at B-E-V-E Unlimited on Instagram. Check us out. Uh, and we have been... Selling a whole lot of basketball hoops. That's a good indoor activity for anyone or their children. Um, so, yeah, check me out at Beave Unlimited on Instagram. Yes. Well, I am so excited. I can't. I can't. Woo! Jesus. I just can't believe I had Robert <laughs> on my podcast. I just. Woo! It's a lot. It's a lot going down. But I'm so grateful for you guys coming on and, you know, un- recapping this with me. It is a pleasure. Um, so, yeah. like, And that's going to conclude this interview. Whew, Chile. And yes, shout out to Pop Pop Wendell. Okay. <laughs> Keeping the menu rolling. Okay, we got Aunt Becky on the menu, aka Lori Laughlin. And we talked about her on earlier episodes of the Purple Pants Podcast. And I told you when some new tea came out, I would deliver I would deliver the news to you hot and fresh. So baby, Lori and her husband, uh Massimo Giannulli, whoo, baby. So the last time that we talked about them, you know, the college scheme, how they paid uh essentially they pay money to get their daughters uh into colleges they pay money for them to uh elevate their test scores and all of that stuff and so you know our other girl felicity hoffman they had took a plea deal and felicity had to do time baby and so a couple of months back Lori and her husband was like we ain't taking the deal okay we pleading uh not guilty and they wanted to go to trial well baby things have changed and Lori and her husband have struck a plea deal okay Lori has agreed to plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit 
wire and fraud and mail fraud. And Massimo pleads guilty to one count of conspiracy and to commit wire fraud, wire and mail fraud and honest service. And I don't know what this is. And honest service wire and mail fraud. Well, I don't know what the honest part is because it's very dishonest if you ask me. Okay. So listen, Lori, I bet you're going to have to do some jail time. Now, I am curious during this COVID-19 time if they will try to like work a deal where they're not going to have to do jail time. But baby, the sources are saying that the prosecutors say if the judge signs off on the plea deal, uh, Lori will spend two months in prison and pay $150,000 in fine. Baby! $150,000! Okay? She will be subject to two years of supervised release and have to perform a hundred hours of community service and baby Massimo he don't get off easy either he'll have to do five months in prison $250,000 two years of supervised release okay and I think 200 hours now I might be making that up but he'll have to do community service now listen Nene Leak said, you can't win when you play low. So, whoo, baby, time hit Aunt Becky real quick. And they was like, listen, they don't want to have to do a lot of time. So they took a plea. And I ain't even mad at that. But it's funny because I was talking to my friend Sarah the other day about this. And Sarah was like, yeah, yeah, they're going to jail. And I was like, listen, this is going to be a gold for Aunt Becky. Because after Aunt Becky get out of jail and once this COVID-19 is over, listen, she's going to be back to work no time. You see how what happened with Martha Stewart when Martha Stewart went to jail. So, I mean, listen, Aunt Becky going to be working no time. She going to be working real quick. They going, I mean, although she got dropped from Lifetime, she going to be back working somewhere. And I mean, low key, I don't believe what they did is wrong, but I don't know why something is sexy about Aunt Becky going to jail and coming back and like, you know, whatever. But it is what it is. Don't lie to try to get your kids into college. If they can't get into college or if they own merit, then baby, send them to community college. Okay. And save your money. Because all of that money that you spent out trying to get them into college, Aunt Becky, you now got to pay it back. And listen, her daughters is on YouTube making millions of dollars. So listen. It is what it is. Everybody always want to keep up with the Joneses. And sometimes your path in life ain't really what, you know, oh, you got to go to school. You got to do this. Sometimes you got to follow your own path. But listen, I keep you updated because, you know, I'm going to want to see the photos of Aunt Becky when she going to jail like we did Lori Hoffman. So listen, I keep you posted as the story develops. Okay. Rolling like a river, we got Doja Cat on the menu. Now, listen, some of y'all don't know who Doja Cat is. I don't really know who Doja Cat is. Now, mind you, I knew she had a song with Tiger that I jammed. And then she had the number one single in America with Nicki Minaj called Say So. Okay, yeah, that. So that song. So she had a number one song with Nicki Minaj. And you know she's blowing up. But listen... When you make it to the top, it's not always greener at the top. So there have been a lot of things coming out about Doja Cat. Now, I've been doing my research and it looked like a while ago she had went online and were making these videos using like homophobic slurs. Okay. And we listen, we don't, we don't, we don't do that over here. Okay. And really like making fun of like gay people. So there was this movement of Doja Cat to basically like cancel her. And so there was like a hashtag talking about Doja, Doja Cat. The party's over. Okay. Now, that was just from the gay. Because the gays was like, you ain't gonna be talking about us trying to get us to get to bop to your music, and then you're using these racial slurs against us. And then, whoo, Chile, over the weekend, more information came out about her. So, allegedly, like in 2015, she had this song entitled, like, Dungeon Nothing, which was really. 
actually like mocking like victims of police brutality and then she also had like participated in this racist conversation online where she was like in these like chat rooms and I don't really know if they were like from uh, the different articles that I read made it seem like they were like kind of like sex chats like you know what I'm saying you remember Lacey from Love at the Lockup like chats like that where she was like with white supremacy group people and like they were like having her say like n-words and different stuff and that she was like laughing with them and so baby when the internets got a hold of that then the hashtag really started tweeting doja cat the party's over so they was not happy with her then okay over the weekend she released a statement basically saying like I did not participate in that that's not me like you know my heritage I've got family in South Africa I would never so I don't know the jewelry is out because you can go and look up in those videos and you can see her and you can see the videos I heard using those the the LGBTQ racial slurs and I did get a little clip of the videos and so I'm like I don't know and so this happens a lot we see this a lot with a lot of these stars that rise to fame and it seems like their past comes to haunt them you know with the tweets old you know back when they was in fifth grade on Twitter like you know cussing people out and listen these fans find it out and then they bring it to light so she's really under a lot of scrutiny but this is what I'm saying like the grass at the top is not always greener because you know she gets this number one single with Nicki Minaj and then all of a sudden all of these people start pulling out these old receipts so baby i mean i don't know the and mind you she got like two songs that i like to bop to but until i can figure out this stuff i did kind of delete them from my playlist because listen you ain't gonna be saying you ain't gonna be uh (laughs) you is not gonna be saying no racial slurs and you ain't gonna be you know using slurs up against the lgbtq (laughs) she she doja cat you got y'all can't even talk but you ain't gonna be using racial slurs and homophobic slurs and think that i'm gonna still support you so i definitely did did uh delete her songs however y'all know i'm a softy and it's like i don't want you know people to suffer but i i I feel like you know there needs to be some type of consequences so i don't know i'm just like indifferent about it but yeah but i just had to bring all the tea because i was definitely you know bopping the doja cat you know like a couple of weeks ago on my run and stuff but i said nope not today okay so i just wanted to give you that rundown now let's keep it rolling we're insecure I can't rave enough about Insecure. I love this show. But listen, let's get into it. So last week, it ended with, you know, Issa, Molly. They got into the fight. They weren't talking. All of Issa's friends were encouraging her to reach out to her friends. She was like, I ain't doing it. I'm doing a self-care Sunday, taking care of myself, worried about myself. Then the episode ended where Issa was like, I'm going to get some Ethiopian food. She went to the Ethiopian food spot. And guess who was at the Ethiopian food spot? It was Molly. But Issa did not go in. We thought she was going to go in. And I was so excited because I'm like, yes, they're going to make up. But she did not go in. She got back inside her car. So this week, the episode picks off at the same Ethiopian spot. But guess what? We see it from Molly's perspective. So how about Molly saw Issa getting out of the car? So Molly was like, oh, God, I'm about to have to see her. So Molly just kind of looks at her phone and then like preparing to like have that conversation with Issa. And then she looks up and sees Issa running to her car and zooming up out of there. So Molly kind of sort of felt some type of way. So Molly and Issa essentially felt the same type of way. So then, so Molly is back at her apartment with her boo, Andrew, and breaking down the situation of, you know, Issa and everything. And like, I can't believe she didn't see me. I can't believe she didn't say it. Andrew's like, well, babe, do you want to like reach out to her? And Molly's like, I ain't reaching out to her. I ain't reaching out to her. So then I can't remember if this part happened or not, but at some point in time, Nathan, you know, 
uh, Issa's ex-boyfriend Nathan who helped her out with getting the headliner because Nathan and Andrew are roommates and Issa kind of used to mess with Nathan and then that's how Molly met Andrew. So I can't remember if this part happened before or after but I just tell y'all now. So Nathan had called Andrew and was like hey I can't get out of the garage I'm like locked in the garage do you have another like clicker to open the garage and Nathan's uh, and Andrew's like yeah upstairs in my uh, bedroom and then in the background is Issa and Issa's like oh you got so much stuff in here and so Molly's like oh my god those two are together and so Andrew kind of like changes the subject and Molly's like see Issa is just messy and she's like after Nathan just ghosted her like I can't believe she would even be dealing with him and so Andrew's like well he didn't really just like ghost her and Molly's like well what you mean and then he was like you know he has some mental health issues that he kind of sort of had to deal with and that kind of like is what took him away and so Molly automatically jumps back into like Issa's friend mode and is like well does Issa know and Andrew's like well I don't really know that's their business and Molly's like you know what you're right I'm not talking about Issa I'm not talking about Issa I'm not talking about Issa so then we learn that Andrew and Molly is going on a vacation okay yes so they're going to Mexico so Molly and Andrew are planning to go to Mexico and they are Molly got all her sexy clothes she like all I'm wearing is thongs and bikinis okay guys listen okay I'm just trying to get somebody to text me back during this quarantine time so that we can plan a vacation probably in 2023 because listen by the way this pandemic look it don't look like we ain't going nowhere sometimes so listen I'm trying to be on Andrew and Molly's time so they are planning to go away to Mexico Okay, we get to the plane. Molly almost missed the plane because what? She's always working. She had a last minute meeting. But baby, they get on a plane and they are. Oh, and so mind you, there was another like surprise cameo. Uh, Kim Fields, you know, from Living Single Regine and from the Facts of Life. She was like on there. I was like, yes, black excellence. I love the fact that like, you know, Issa Wright always brings like, you know, just actresses and actors from like, you know, my childhood that I can recognize it. Anybody that watches Living Single when I was growing up. Okay. Listen, I always wanted to be regime back in the day. So anyway, they're on the plane and they're really like unwinding and baby, listen, so Molly didn't enter the Mile High Club, but baby, Andrew stuck his hands underneath her pants on that plane. So they're meeting up with Andrew's brother and sister-in-law and his brother and sister-in-law are very like type A personality. They got a plan. They got to do this. And Molly is like, oh, I really just want to kind of like go with the flow. But, you know, she she tries to sort of like, you know, this the first time she's meeting his family so she wants to make a good impression but listen two things are the most important things to discuss about this trip one of them being that Andrew almost made freak of the week okay so I guess Molly and Andrew had talked about listen this is our first vacation let's do something sexy let's bring some sexy items so you know Molly brought you know some lubrication and a sexy lingerie thing baby Andrew then bought a vibrator looked like some anal beads and a look I was like oh my oh what and what is going on okay baby boy was ready to get it in. So the next important thing to talk about um, on this episode or this trip is that like, so obviously Andrew's brother is a lot to take in. He's always got plans. But listen, I love somebody that has a good plan. But so there is this one scene where Molly, Andrew and Andrew's sister-in-law, they're in the pool. Somebody splashes her and she gets like, you know, her mascara starts to run. So Molly's like, oh girl, I'll go get you a towel. So Molly goes to get her a towel and they're at like a resort. So there's a couple in front of Molly that, you know, asks for a towel. The lady gives them a towel. Molly's like, hey, can I have a 
towel? And the lady's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I need to see your room key before I can give you a towel. And Molly's like, oh, no, I'm so I'm staying at this resort. Like, I, you know, I just I just need to get a towel. And the lady's like, I could really get in trouble. And so obviously Molly's like, listen, well, the people that were in front of me happened to be Caucasian and you didn't ask them for their room key. So could you just give me a towel? And so Molly kind of gets a little elevated. And as that is happening, Andrew's brother walks by and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you know, here's my room key. So she gives and mind you. So not only does the lady, she gives the towel to Andrew's brother and not Molly. Molly snatches that towel out and walks back to the pool. So then Issa, uh, not Issa, then Molly is back in the pool. Andrew's like, everything's okay. And she's like, yeah, it's okay. This girl was kind of sort of being racist. And so, you know, Andrew being Asian and his brother and brother and sister-in-law are Asian, his brother kind of sort of plays devil's advocate. He's like, or she could, you know, just be doing her job and not wanting to get in trouble. And Molly's like, or she could just be racist and that was just an racist experience. And Molly's like, well, but you wouldn't understand. And Andrew's brother's like, well, how how would I not understand? You know, me as an Asian man, I experience a lot of racism. And Molly's like, well, and then Molly says some choice words that are almost like racist of Molly to say. So it creates this big blow up and Molly storms off. And then, you know, Molly and Andrew are able to kind of sort of work it out a little bit. So they get back to L.A. They're in the airport and Molly runs into guess who? She runs into Issa's old boyfriend, Lawrence. And so it's kind of like a weird interaction because they want to like hug, but then they do a handshake but then they end up hugging and she's like this is my boyfriend Andrew and so they meet and then it's just kind of really awkward but then what happens is we see Lawrence walking out of the airport and he calls somebody and we don't know who you call and he's like hey like do you want to meet up for drinks like you know I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about you so it leads us to assume that it could be Issa but listen the way that they be writing this sometimes it could be Condola now mind you I hope it's Issa but listen that was a good episode okay Insecure comes on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock listen we're on the fourth season if you want to catch up go to HBO on demand ask somebody for hbo go and catch up i love in secure it's a purple pants pick it's a purple pants pick if you hurry up quick it's a purple pants pick Yes, we're on to one of my favorite segments of the podcast. It is the Purple Pants Picks. It's the chance where you, the listener, can drive what your baby boy talk about. So every weekend, like a Saturday morning, I will post to my Instagram, Bryce Isaiah, or the Purple Pants Podcast Instagram. I'll post a photo of a purple pants and I say drop your topics for the purple pants picks and you can drop whatever you want me to talk about a TV show music current events anything you need baby boy got you so let's start it off with uh, M Simba 427 right did you watch the mass singer yeah Oh my God, yes. I watched The Masked Singer and congratulations to Candy Burris for winning. Now, mind you, I knew the whole season it was Candy because Candy has that such a unique tone of voice. And you know, with the Housewives of Atlanta going on right now, so hearing you know, Candy on Sunday and then hearing her. Now, I don't watch The Masked Singer when it's live. I always just record it and watch it back because, you know, baby boy likes to watch TV at night. And another little random fact with this quarantine has taught me. First of all, I always was like, oh, my God, I need my TV. I love my TV. I do not watch TV at all during the day. I only really watch TV when I'm in bed. So baby boy is really thinking about cutting down on his cable bill. And I know for the longest time I had asked the Purple Pants Posse for some tips on like other ways. And y'all y'all helped me out with the Hulu, the, uh, the YouTube. 
YouTube TV and all of that stuff. But literally this month, I am making the switch because it's just like I don't watch a lot of shows anymore. I mean, of course, I watch shows, but like I don't, you know, being me being home, I just be doing anything else. But anyway, back to the mass singer. Yes, I just knew it was Candy the whole time. And yes, Candy is the first female to win uh, the mass singer. But which was so funny was even more was funny about the mass singer was the frog. Now, for some reason, I don't know why I thought the frog was going to be like uh, this white guy or like this Latino guy. My mom was like, no, the, the, the frog is definitely a black man, Bryce. I'm like, no, he's not. Come to find out the damn frog was Bow Wow. I was screaming when I found out about that the frog was Bow Wow. I was like, OMG, my mom was right. Okay, Barb, you are right. The next Purple Pants picks comes from Jovi Pop writes dating in the era of quarantine baby listen you better get you on these social media apps okay and you better like listen because listen i'm up on these social media apps and i'm you know i'm texting i got a couple of people texting me back right now so i i've said this before on the podcast and i'll say it again i think that this era could be a really great start for people because it's like with this quarantine you trapped in the house and you don't really have you can't see the person i mean you can facetime and all that stuff but it really kind of like makes you have to really get to know a person other times you know when people out there being thotting and bopping they meet people on these social apps and just hook up with this it kind of like forces you to get to know somebody so jovi pop i think this is a great idea and the other day i was on the phone with sarah my friend again and i was like uh running to like walmart uh because i had to i was like doing something to get ready for a sequester and um i had to run to walmart but baby i ran too late in the day and i had to like stand in line to before i got into the walmart and i was like oh i'm never going to the store that I got to stand in the line. Well, baby, this Saturday I was standing in the line. But listen, I was on the phone with Sarah and I was like, oh my God, girl, I don't know what's going on outside this Walmart, but it's Club Walmart. It was a number zaddies, okay? And one of the zaddies walked up to me and was like, is this the line? I was like, yeah, I just got here, but uh, if you want it, you can get in front of me, bro. He was like, for real? I was like, yeah. He was like, thanks. I was like, okay, you're welcome, zaddy. But anyway, yes, I think, listen, you could get a lot of things, you know, you know, listen, you, you got to just explore this time, Jovi Pop. Okay, our next purple pants picks comes from E.A. Taylor 20. She says, cook in or eat out. And what's your favorite from each baby? E.A. Taylor, let me just tell you. So baby boy ain't really been cooking. You know, I meal prep. So I've got like meal preps from like six months ago that I've been like eating because, you know, I'm trying to still get my body right. But so I haven't really cooked in my house. (laughs) Okay, the most the, the extent of my cooking is I be boiling my boiled eggs for you know my breakfast in the morning but listen so i've been kind of like ordering out twice a week i do an order out like on a tuesday and a saturday and oh my god there is this amazing thai like faux fa place um that's maybe like 20 minutes from my house maybe 15 and so they have like this fried rice bowl that oh my god it's like fried rice you get like beef or you can get um chicken or you could get shrimp and oh my god with the time and oh i've been i just and literally and i can get like the and now i might be saying this wrong but the ton tom young soup oh listen then they got these golden fried um shrimp baby i've been craving that so i've literally been having that for three weeks in a row and sometimes i really like jamaican food and so there's this jamaican spot that i order from and i really love oxtails i don't know if any of you guys ever had oxtails big bay they are a delicacy so that's really like the three thing well uh, mind you and the third thing is sometimes if i'm like you know i had a little cocktail sometimes i get a little chinese food a little general toast chicken okay a little egg roll 
hot and sour soup. But listen, I'm on a road to a better Bryce and I've really been eating a lot healthier. But, you know, once a week I try to treat myself and that's really what I've been treating myself with. Or if I cook in, a lot of the times I find myself making some breakfast food, some scrambled eggs, some pancakes. Y'all don't want it with baby boy's French toast, okay? My French toast is to die for, okay? Little bacon. So that's really what I've been cooking. But you know, baby boy could cook. I could do a little shrimp alfredo, okay? Make my own white sauce. I could make a spinach lasagna. I mean, I could do it all. A little baked chicken, little fried chicken, fried fish. Well, I mean, listen, the list goes on. My mom is Barb, and Barb could throw down in the kitchen, so you know she passed it on to her baby boy. All right. Next on the Purple Pants Picks, we have the one and only Sarah. She writes the verses, thoughts on the battles, and which battles would you like to see? So I'm not got, not sure if you guys know, but you know there's been this like versus thing that I think a Swiss Beats and Timberland do where they put up different people's names of the same genre and they go against it. And so it really got popular when it was like Teddy Riley and Babyface. Oh my God, like to the point where they had to like reschedule it because listen, Teddy Riley was ready to put on a show, okay? And Teddy Riley, like they they couldn't get the connection right. So um, then there was like Erica Badu and Jill Scott and now uh, there was the 112 and Jagged S. So I really love the verses. I definitely think it's something for like our community that we get excited about. And all Although it's kind of like a versus each other, but it's really a celebration of our our music. And so I truly love it. Now, what a verse uh, verses that I would want to see. Y'all know I would want Lil' Kim up there, but I don't know who really Lil' Kim would want to go against. And, you know, Lil' Kim has this ongoing beef with Nicki Minaj. And so I really personally would love to see them squash it. And I would love to see them do a versus. But, you know, that ain't never going to happen. Okay. I would love to see Nashanti and maybe like a Maya. I would love to see like, I would, ooh, I would love to see, okay, no, this ain't gonna never happen, but I would love to see a Destiny's Child, okay, and the Spice Girls. Now, baby, if they did that, listen, y'all would get live coverage on the Purple Pants podcast, but I just, I love it. I love what it does, and I love that the evolution of like, you know, people thinking outside of the box during these quarantine times, okay? Then I've got JCG55 uh, writes, do you enjoy It's the New Movies? Love Birds on Netflix. Oh my God. First of all, Purple Pants Posse, I'm in, I, I swear Purple Pants Posse, somebody got my, um, somebody got my Netflix account, because when I tell you last night I started the Lovebirds movie with Issa Rae but I fell asleep on it and so I was like oh I've got to finish this I was like maybe I'll talk about it on the podcast but listen my day got away from me with this Memorial Day weekend Wendell being annoying and asking for help at his house and I got to do all of that stuff so my time got away from me but that is so crazy I just started it and I think it's hilarious so I don't want to give it too much away from it but guys the movie Lovebirds is on Netflix and I probably will discuss it at a later podcast but that is so crazy. I literally just, 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 just started that last night. Okay. Then our last purple pants pick of the night comes from E Nikki B24. She writes the real Ozark in New Jersey beaches. Now, Bay Bay. So over there in Missouri, where the Ozark is, you know, the show Ozark, what it's like based on over there in Missouri, they was having a wild pool party. OK, where it was hundreds of people. Now, mind you, it looked like they was having a good time. But do y'all not know we're in a pandemic? OK, they all in the pool. No face masks like they just all they, they just party having a good time. Like it's 1999. Also, uh, New Jersey beaches this uh, past weekend, baby, people was crowding the boardwalks. No. 
no mask, okay, over there in California as well, too. And see, this is my concern with this pandemic. The weather going to get hot and people ain't going to know what to do. They just going to want to act like things aren't like, ugh. And then it's just like the one thing that annoys me are like these people with the argument, like my first amendment right. You know, the government doesn't control me. Bitch, the government ain't trying to control you. They try to keep your ass alive. Like, I just don't understand why these people don't listen. Now, mind you, I even got some slack. I had posted a photo, I, you know, uh, the other day. I had went down to, like, we have, like, this. It's called Kelly Drive in Philadelphia, Boathouse Row. We've got, like, a river. And um, I took a photo, you know, looking cute. And somebody was like, you're not wearing your mask. I had a mask on. I took the mask off for the photo. And after the photo, I put my mask back on, okay? But listen, like, we gotta take it serious. Like, oh, my God. Like, y'all gotta look up these videos. The Ozark Pool video. Or look up, like, the Jersey, um, the Jersey Boardwalk this past week. They was just out here acting like nothing's going on. And see, the issue is, is that all these people gather around. Then they'll go back home. Okay. And they might be healthy and not get anything, but then they might pass it to their grandmom. They might pass it to their abuela. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all got to be smart. Oh, they was making me mad. But all right, y'all, I got, I'm on that. I'm going to leave it at the Purple Pants Picks. And if you want to get a pick in this week on this Saturday to my Instagram story, I'll post a photo, Purple Pants Picks, and you guys can drop your topics there. It is time for advice. Once again, we are back here on another edition of Advice with Bryce. We once again have another great submission by you listeners. So let's just get right into it. Bryce, my name is John Adaviano. We have met in Philly with my daughter and wife, and I've played your hip hop tunes on my radio show in New York. I would like to concur with you about the role of race on Survivor. Survivor is about us and them, and people are always looking for quote unquote otherness. And there is no greater otherness in America than race, and especially skin color. We have seen so many early boots being people of color, whether or not they are black or Asian, etc. Sadly, it seems to be a reflection of our society as a whole. Very few people are willing to address this subject about Survivor. I've brought it up with other Survivor fans and it hasn't always been well received. Now, I need to check my own racial awareness and I would like your feedback. I'm Caucasian and I try my best to be anti-racist but I do need a check every once in a while. One episode on this past season of Survivor, I thought it was tone deaf of Ben to ask Jeremy to vote out Wendell when he was the only other person of color left in the game. I think Jeremy and Wendell had also shown some connection already at that point but is it racist for me to assume that one person of color will want to keep another person of color in the game thanks in advance for your feedback i listen to your podcast every week and really enjoy your unique take on things whether you address this in a dm or on the podcast i would be grateful peace john o Thanks, Nasir. And yes, hey, John O. And first of all, John O., thanks for the support. I greatly appreciate it. And I just want to know, are you playing my new single, E Burials featuring Bryce Isaiah Setback? Yes, I love to know. But such an interesting topic. And I just love, I just have to say, I love like the Purple Pants Posse. Like I love how we are just so in sync. Like how perfect is this question for the things that we've covered with Wendell? So let's dive right into it. So I think that, yes, it is a topic that a lot of people on Survivor tend to stray away from because obviously on Survivor I think that one if you're playing the game I think that it's like a good area to stay away from politics race and things like that when you're playing the game however it naturally comes up because you know there are diversities in the cast Um, however I do have to agree with you or disagree that like you know there are a lot of othernesses in the world like you know you said race and skin color but I always think that like yeah we shouldn't always think about 
the othernesses, like what makes us different. We should more focus on the things that bring us together, the more commonality that we have. I think that if we come from a place of what brings us more together and what makes us more different, I think that it can make for a more organic conversation. I also think that it, it, it is important to recognize this. And a lot of people don't want to recognize it. And I, I always hear a lot of people say, I don't see skin color. Like, well, you, you got to kind of have to see skin color because if you don't see skin color, then like, what else are we talking about here? So you have to see it. And I think that the more that you talk about it and the more that we have these conversations, I feel like it is more able for us to move the conversation and move to have people recognizing that we are more similar than we are apart. Another thing that you said, John, that that I loved was that the fact that you check in. I think that, first of all, we all have uh, like biases. We all have like these biases in our head, whether we want to admit it or not. So I think that it's great that you as a Caucasian man actually check in with yourself, because if we don't check in with ourselves, then sometimes we can have these biases and that that just linger on. So I think that it, it's important for us to check in and check ourselves sometimes and I think sometimes we have to check ourselves but it has to be done in a safe place and we have to want to feel that we can have that conversation so the thing about Ben asking another African American man to vote another African man another a man of color out is that racist no I think that if Ben was coming from and which I do think he was if he's coming from a game standpoint Jeremy is a huge target so why would we not want Jeremy out now why you ask would a, another person of color want to work with another person of color? Like we see that time and time again in Survivor that like people kind of sort of cling to likeliness. So like, you know, I think that, you know, people shouldn't assume because you see two people of color, they're automatically working together. Like, no, that doesn't have to be. But no, like, so I, I think that Wendell obviously might have a commonality with Jeremy and they may want to work together. But if, again, if we are looking at it from a game point, like would Wendell want to sit next to Jeremy? First of all, who wants sit next to Jeremy he is like the epitome of a survivor player but I think that it is important for us to have these conversations and like you know sometimes people out there might see oh Wendell and Jeremy working together oh they're all they're automatically together and we've got to get them out now that might be a a unchecked bias that like hey just because they are two men of color doesn't mean that they're working together like you know every black man every black man that you see together they we're, we're all not friends we all don't know each other but like that's the same thing to assume that like every Caucasian person out there are they working together no so I think that that's important to realize and it's important for us to continue to have these conversations and the more we have these conversations in an organic and safe place is a way for us to be able to talk about it and I think the more and more we talk about it and the more and more you hear from deep different people's perspective I think that it's good and that's why I love this podcast because me as a black gay man you get to hear my perspective on things and how I feel about things that you may not be able to hear and I also get to hear from you guys from a perspective that I may not understand and I think that as long as we are coming from a loving place I think that it is great and it's really good for everyone to hear each's perspective and to uh, put yourself in someone else's shoes and I think that that's the best way to 
check in and it's the best way to have this conversation. And so I, I definitely think, John, that it is important to have. And I definitely think Survivor being such a popular show, they don't really talk about it a lot because I think that they're scared of the controversy and they don't want any blowback. But unfortunately, sometimes you got to have a little blowback. You got to have you got to get people's feathers ruffled a little bit for them to think about it. So I think that is a very valid question. And I'm so glad that you asked it. And I hope that I was able to kind of just give some insight onto it. And again, if we as a society focus on the things that bring us together as opposed to what makes us different, this world could be a truly better place. Uh, So thank you so much for your question. I think it was like the perfect timing and, you know, a great time to have that conversation. If you guys have any advices with Bryce that have to do with anything, love, relationships, anything that you need, your baby boy got it, you guys can send me an email at purplepantspodcast at gmail.com and your baby boy got you. Who's the freak? Who's the freak? Who's the freak of the week? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky freak? Who's the freak of the week? Might be me, might be you, might be Yes, we are on to Freak of the Week. Now, listen, okay. Now, as I was getting ready for Sequesta, I was like, you know, reading the Instagram, going to my Twitter, you know, just trying to get, fill people out. And while I was on the Twista, okay, I was, you know, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And whoo, I came across the Twitter of DJ Pauly D. Now, y'all know Pauly D from the Jersey Shore. Now, Pauly D is most known for his wild hair, not wild hair, but that gel back hair, okay? And Pauly D posted uh looked like a boomerang that said just in the house if you need me and Bay Bay it looks like during this quarantine time Paulie D grew a beard out and Bay Bay Paulie D looking like a whole snack okay with this beard he got a head on I first of all I thought I thought he was a brother for a second I said who this is I said this can't be Paulie D this can't be Paulie D and I even had to tweet wait wait is this Paulie D Oh my God. So if you guys go, go to the Twitter, go to the Instagram of DJ Pauly D and see Pauly D looking like a zaddy. I had to just stop for a second and say, baby, baby boy. So definitely Pauly D, DJ Pauly D is the freak of the week. Oh, and you guys know what that means. If we're at the freak of the week, then that means we're at the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and your support. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. And welcome new listeners and Welcome to Purple Pants Posse because you know we go together. But listen, if you we at the end of the podcast, so I need for you guys, I need you, okay? I need you to subscribe to this podcast. If you could write a review, if you could give me five stars, when you see this podcast up on Twitter, when you see it on Facebook, if you guys could share it, write a comment, let me know what you think. I greatly appreciate it. And you know where to find me next week, okay? Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Purple pants, it's the purple pants podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the purple pants podcast. You better listen in public, might make your stomach hurt. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to unwind, you better get that box wine. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to get your snack, you better hurry right back though. It's the purple pants, it's the purple pants.